Tandem Nomads, episode 144. We can't fully eliminate imposter syndrome, but we can learn ways to ensure that it doesn't hold us back from doing things that are important in our businesses. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and your host in the show. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I know a lot of you must have experienced in your journey, either in running business or trying to start your own business, which is the fear and the lack of confidence that can really stop you from reaching your goals and growing the business you want for yourself and your loved ones. So today I brought to you an amazing guest who's going to be able to guide you in how to detect the imposter syndrome that might be that you might be dealing with and I'll give you some tips on how to deal with it. So Melissa Parks, Melissa, are you ready for this right? Yeah, Emil, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to share some of this information with everyone. So happy to have you here, Melissa. So Nomad Nation, Melissa Parks is a PhD and coach with a mission to empower expats and global nomads to thrive wherever they call home. She has her PhD in clinical and health psychology and is trained to teach the international empirical supported mindful self-compassion called MSC. She also she's also the founder of International Expat Coaching and co-founder of the Location Independent Therapist online community. Melissa, there's that's just a summary of what you do. There's so much that I want to share about your journey and your experience. Before we go into your tips, I would love you if you could summarize a little bit your journey of how you got to where you are today and your connection to Global Nomads. Yeah, Amel, um, let me try to sum it up as much as I can. You know, these global journeys like could, you know, take hours to tell. But my journey is that I grew up in Seattle, um, thought I was going to stay in the U.S. and go to grad school here uh, and received the disappointing news that despite applying to 12 different schools, having almost a 4.0 GPA, that's really high in the, in the U.S., um, I didn't get, I, I got denied um, to all the schools. So I didn't want to let that be a huge setback for me in my life. So I thought, I'm going to go teach English abroad. I'm going to try living in Spain for one year. Well, that one year turned into actually 10 years living abroad. Uh, and during that time, I ended up deciding to go to grad school over in Spain, actually. Uh, and that's when I also, um, a few years into the future, I started working with expats as a therapist. Um, I met my husband along the way, who was from Venezuela. And actually, with his job, we ended up moving to the Netherlands. And then just this past year, earlier this year, we decided to try living in the U.S. So repat experience for me, repatriation and an expat experience for him. That must be quite exciting journey that you're going through right now. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of ups and downs. I can imagine. And I also want to touch upon a little bit your experience building up your business online and your portable yeah. business. So tell us a little bit of the journey you've been through to be able to convert your experience as a therapist into online and make it a portable business. Yeah. Yeah. So a funny thing is that the day I met my husband, he just had started his entrepreneur journey. And I thought, wow, that's a lot. I would never want to do that. <laughs> but what I 
read at that same time was that if you want to date an entrepreneur, you need to find something you're really passionate about. So I started my blog. I started Intentional Expat Blog. And that ended up, because I was so passionate about it, I think attracted to potential ideal clients. And I started actually working with some of the people who contacted me through my blog um, as therapy clients. And I, along the way, decided, okay, maybe entrepreneurship is for me uh, and ended up starting my company. Um, When we moved to the Netherlands, uh, I decided to give the online therapy a try. Uh, I know you recently interviewed Dr. Sonia Yeager, and she was actually really influential in my own journey of trying out um, online therapy and kind of going in 100% there. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's such, the glimpse of my journey there. That's so interesting. And yes, Nomad Nation, if you're listening, I will link the episode with Dr. Sonia Yeager because you're also actually working with her in building this online community of therapists. Yeah, exactly. The one you mentioned earlier, we're co-founding it together. We're hoping it will launch in early 2020. So if anyone's listening that's interested, stay tuned. That's so exciting. I want to just highlight a little bit something very important in your journey that I always you know, say to my clients, and you're such a great ex- like example of that, is that when you have an idea and you want to try out something, just do something about it. And you had a passion of talking and writing about being an intentional expat and the expat journey. And that has led you to being here and and build the business you have today. So by just blogging and sharing your message, it helps you start having an audience and start connecting with people. And that naturally brought you business. Yeah, exactly. I I think I wasn't ready to like say I was taking the steps, but now I would always, always encourage people take intentional steps, right? To, to get started and experiment and see what works. Exactly. Nomad Nation, experiment. Don't be afraid of experimenting and trying out things. Just try it out and see where it leads. Uh, I always say, don't overthink this, you know, take action. Action will lead you faster and further than just sitting and waiting for the right moment to do the right thing, which leads us to today's topic, which is fear and confidence. We want to talk today about the imposter syndrome. And I would love you if you could first explain us what it is actually, and how can we detect it? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So important. Um, You've probably felt it before. Like anybody who's listening has probably felt it before because we know that 70% of people will experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. But it's that sinking feeling that you're going to be found out for being a fraud. Uh, And often, even though like all the evidence points to the contrary, that you actually are doing a good job or are capable. Um, So that's the interesting thing is that very often um, very successful people suffer from imposter syndrome. How can we recognize those symptoms of imposter syndrome? How does it uh, express itself in in the journey? Yeah. So I think when you're having thoughts of things like, um, well, especially for people probably listening today, things like, I'm not capable of starting my own business, or um, I'm going to be found out that I'm actually not an entrepreneur. Or the interesting thing is, like, even as you grow and become more successful in your career, often it can take on new forms because often as you become more successful, you're surrounding yourself with successful people as well. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you start comparing yourself to your colleagues and imposter syndrome can creep in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's things like that, like I'm a fraud or I'm not cut out for this. Those are some of the typical thoughts that come up. Um, It also really tends to come hand in hand with perfectionism. Um, and also procrastination can usually be a pretty good example of when imposter syndrome is, 
is pretty near. Oh, yes. I think that procrastination and perfection are like a couple <laughs> that are really <laughs> hard to separate because usually yeah. one leads to the other and one is the excuse of the other. So <laughs> yes. yes. I recently overheard a conversation of somebody saying, oh, that woman, she's a perfectionist and a procrastinator. What a weird combination. And I thought, that's always what it is. It's always hand in hand, that yeah. fear of, yeah. It's, there's a fear of failure element there too that comes up. Yeah. And it goes back to the, when we started talking about your journey, like just start somewhere. And a lot of people I know hesitate to start somewhere because they're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. And sometimes I think it's the fear of putting outside ourselves out there that stops us from, from doing it. And we use the fact that it's not good enough to not do it. Yes. Yeah. And I think maybe there, like something to, to mention is the fact that yes, it is fear. And I think sometimes we're waiting for that fear to go away. Uh, and we could be waiting for the rest of our lives <laughs> if that's what, what we're doing. Uh, but that fear is there to protect you, right? That fear of, you know, being vulnerable of um, even, we can even experience fear of success, right? Like, yeah. it, it, you know, you're going to be more on display. You're going to, you know, probably receive some negative feedback as if you do succeed. So that's the thing too, that can go hand in hand, fear of failure and fear of success. Definitely. I so can, it's the first time I hear somebody saying it because I remember experiencing it myself in the past, fearing of putting myself out there. And if I succeed and I had moments of high peaks where like, oh, I'm scared right now because I cannot go back after this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a weird experience, right? I think it's, and like you just said that you hadn't really heard somebody talk about it before. I think the first time I heard it too, I thought, fear of the success? People experience that. And now I see it showing up for me all the time and in my clients' lives as well. Yeah. And that comes as we grow in our journey, I guess, that we have to keep continuing performing and keep being good at what we do and consistently putting that pressure. Uh, so there's this, these two spectrums, but at the end is the same it's the same disease. It's this imposter <laughs> syndrome that's hanging <laughs> above our heads. So yeah. one thing that I noticed, and I think you two discussed it, is that the imposter syndrome is something that anybody can struggle with, but it's particularly an issue for entrepreneurs and even more for expert partners. So could you yeah. tell us why is that? Yeah. So imposter syndrome tends to be more common um, in people who, in women or in minorities. And so, um, you know, there many expat partners are women, not everybody, but, you know, even if you are a male expat partner, well, that puts you as a mi minority as well. Um, and so, and as an expat also, right, you're, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You're often like the outsider in the place that you're living. I think there's also a lot of pressure to the fact that you went abroad and maybe did something that was a bit more alternative from maybe what your family or friends were doing. There's like a pressure that you have to do it really well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's not even adding in the entrepreneur piece. <laughs> so the entrepreneur piece is, the, you know, imposter syndrome can, can manifest there because of the fact that, well, any, anybody can be an entrepreneur but that is problematic because you don't need to show a degree or a certification or anything like that to be able to be an entrepreneur. So it can almost feel intimidating to think about being an entrepreneur. You know, it just almost like that, that space and that, um, 
that's it's it's very it's a very gray area I would say and um, and that can lead it's like perfect breeding ground for imposter syndrome to pop in and say are you sure that you're the one cut out to do this yeah so who proves that I'm the right person to do that Exactly. Yeah. And although you I, <laughs> exactly, you prove that to yourself. Um, I do want to put a side note here about something you said. You don't need like a, a uh, like a certificate or something to start your own business. I actually do know that in some countries you need that to start your business, okay. and that's also a. And that's where I think culture comes in. Where I love the American spirit is all about. You know, entrepreneurial spirit kids at the age of five are, are taught to start their own thing. And I do think there's a cultural aspect also, and maybe there are some cultures more than others that are subject to the imposter syndrome. I don't know if you would agree with that because you worked with global yeah. nomads a lot. Yeah, I would definitely say that that's the case. That's interesting that you said that some countries need, you do need a certificate. I would wonder if, yeah, I'm just like my scientist kind of brain is thinking, well, would imposter syndrome be higher or lower there? But a discussion for a different day, I think. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. We should continue that conversation for sure. Uh, yeah, I um, want to expand on that, but please yeah. continue your thought. I would like to to hear what you think about that. Yeah, well, I will just, one thing that's coming to mind for me is I work, because I lived in Spain for a long time, I work with a lot of global nomads who are based in Spain or have lived there at some point. And I would say that that in, often is a harder place to think about where people struggle with thinking about an entrepreneur kind of career, thinking about taking it seriously. Um, and actually, you know, unfortunately, I would say to that in that country, there is still a lot of people who might be working under the table. And so then that can blur the lines too about really taking your company seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one that because it's a culture I know so well, it's one that that comes to mind for me. Um, yeah. But I definitely think that culture comes into play. And you're so right about um, in the US, I think, yeah, I grew up with kind of this mindset of, yeah, you can do anything. Although, although I think that then that does create some challenges for imposter syndrome too, because you kind yeah. of, there's um, a big sense that, that comes hand in hand with kind of having your self-worth tied up in how successful you are. And exactly. That is a terrible ingredient for imposter syndrome. Well, it's actually a great, a great ingredient for imposter syndrome, but like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not helpful. I think you highlighted that, that very well. I can see there's like success stories have such a big part in the American culture mm-hmm. that if you have not have had that success story, then yeah. you're a failure, which is not necessarily true. You don't need to be, uh, you know, on the, I don't know, like a top millionaire in order to consider yourself yeah. a successful entrepreneur. Um, what I can ex- exchange about that, because I find it so fascinating about imposter syndrome and the power with cultures, mm-hmm. like the whole relationship with social media and putting ourselves out there in some cultures is really difficult. So the imposter syndrome here is more, oh my God, I'm putting myself out there. People are thinking I'm self-centered. Mm-hmm. People are thinking I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this show off and uh, so it's not about the fraud. It's more about, in a way, it's about the fraud. Is like, I'm not the person. I don't want to be seen as the person who I'm not if I put myself out there as an entrepreneur, especially in the context of social media. Yes, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, because I also work with a lot, like, you know, with this community I'm creating, I work with a lot of therapists. And so it's almost like there's this therapist culture too, where I see that happening, where it's like, no, I'm supposed to be focusing on my clients. Like, I don't want to put myself out there. Um, Yeah. Social media is, I think, another one of those things that's really feeds imposter syndrome. 
Definitely. So I actually have a whole episode about that. So I'll put a link. Oh, I'll put the link on the sh- on the show notes of this episode about the importance of putting ourselves out there and how we're actually using also that as an excuse to not put ourselves out there. But let's deal with that imposter syndrome. So how how do you recommend to deal with it once we identified that? Okay, is this imposter syndrome, and now what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think when we notice that it's imposter syndrome and, you know, I would say that the cousins of imposter syndrome are like our inner critic and fear. I don't know. They're all just, they're like a family there together. When we notice those things coming up, our instinct is to want to just get rid of them. It's like, okay, you know, how can I just like push them to the side and get to that place where I feel full confidence a hundred percent of the time. Um, and I usually have to break the bad news to my clients like that, that, that doesn't exist. Um, I'm, I'm pretty transparent with my clients. Like I experience imposter syndrome, uh, and it's, it's a pretty good shape shifter. I would say it like, it comes up in different ways and sometimes can be very sneaky. And like I said earlier, sometimes it's when I'm procrastinating on doing something, I look back and think ah, that was definitely imposter syndrome that was coming up. So just a couple things there, you know, we can't get rid of it kind of accepting that, um, remembering everybody has it, you know, or not everybody, but most people do experience that at least at some point in their lives. Um, so just, I think acknowledging, naming it, naming the fact like this is imposter syndrome that can remove so much of its power because usually we have a thought and we think about it as absolute truth. And so actually saying like, I'm having the thought that I'm an imposter. It makes a big difference. Just naming it. So yeah, you're recommending it. name it and say it out loud and yeah. then ask yourself, is that really true? Yeah. And, and I'll, sometimes I even go a step further with my clients and tell them to have a conversation with it. Right. So imagine like, okay, imposter syndrome is right here at you um, or next to your desk with you. What's it trying to tell you right now? Because usually it's trying, it kind of has a misguided message, but it's trying to tell us something helpful, right? Like I want to keep you safe. I want to keep you safe from say from things like judgment or, um, or negative feedback or, or, you know, painful growth moments in our companies. And so if we can say, okay, I hear what you're saying, but this is really important to me, then we can move forward and do the thing anyways, even though it's there. Yeah. I love that you say that. Yeah. We have to have that conversation with the imposter syndrome. And I think, yeah, just recognizing it is already a huge step. Um, I'm just trying to picture in my situation or some of my clients, once we do that, what's next? Yeah. Well, one thing that I think kind of goes hand in hand there is the more you can talk with other people about it, it also kind of reduces the shame around it. So I definitely Mm -hmm. encourage that, um, you know, if you're in Facebook groups with other people or, you know, just part of part of other groups. I know that you, you run some groups as well. And so just, you know, talking fine for entrepreneurs in your life or people considering being entrepreneurs, um, who are able to have these real, like hard conversations. So you can remember, like, I'm not alone. Like there's nothing wrong with me for having these thoughts. Um, I think those might seem like simple things, but they can be really powerful and really big. Um, I think also like another big thing is thinking about, you know, what's your, what's kind of your vision or your, you know, your, your why of your company? Why is this important to you to, to own your own company? Because often when we can like really stay like rooted in that, even though imposter syndrome is right there, right next to us, we can like take a step forward anyways. 
Yes, I love that you say that. This is so important to remember why you're doing this. And and when I talked about the episode about how you know how to put ourselves out there, I was talking about the importance of putting ourselves out of the equation in order mm-hmm. to deal with that. Like, and I love that you brought that up because that's the, for me the next step. Like to realize that if you know your big why, and I love that you said that the big why, that's going to nourish you and give you the energy to be able to deal with that barrier that's stopping you from moving forward. I love that you brought it up. Um, I want to share with you one thing that has helped me is to surround myself with the peers on a regular basis and to talk it to them because I know that they will be honest with me if I do not, if I really suck at something. They will tell me this is not okay. But they will also tell me, hey, stop saying that's not okay because it is more than what actually we expect from you. Yes, I love that. I, well, I love what you just brought up because it's like, if I have a coach that I work with and she talks about it as like, imposter syndrome can be a skill set issue or it can be a mindset issue. And so sometimes it's like, I actually need, like imposter syndrome is giving me the message of like, or, you know, like you mentioned your, your friends and colleagues here, giving you a message of like, you need to do better. But also like, what about the piece where it's saying you're not good enough and you actually are, right? That's more the mindset piece. Yes. And I think acknowledging, acknowledging what's working is so important. Yeah. Um, and I mean, celebrating our successes, it's so important, but here we go. I'm going to ask your help here because <laughs> here is where I struggled. Yeah, <laughs> so I talk a lot about celebrating success and to be able to acknowledge what's working in order to not have imposter syndrome come and take over the show. <laughs> so I, I realized that because once you reach your goal and you grow, the more you grow, the more the, once you reach that goal, you're already far ahead in your head. You're already the next step. Yeah. So celebrating that goal at that moment feels so small. Oh, okay. Yeah. It like doesn't, it doesn't feel like it connects with like what you're actually celebrating. Exactly. Because by the time you reach that goal or the date you decided it, I mean, and I see it with other clients too, the plans are already the next step. What's next? Yeah. So how to make sure that even if when we stop to celebrate it, we do it intentionally. And you talk about being oh, intentional. Yeah. I think that's, it's so good, right? Because, well, I do want to say, I think sometimes this is like perfectionism coming in, right? <laughs> I don't mean that you're a perfectionist, but it's a fine line between being a high achiever and being a perfectionist. And so the perfectionism tends to say like, what's next, right? And that's it's like super focused. What's next? And like we said, perfectionism and imposter syndrome go hand in hand. So yeah. I want to make sure perfectionism doesn't, doesn't drive the show. I think really it's about trying to be in the moment, right? And really acknowledge like what were all of those hard things and hard, even small moments that got you to where you are right now and trying to really re- maybe remember what they were. Or I know I, I do some bullet journaling and I can actually go back and see like what are the things I crossed out and that helps me remember, oh yeah, like now it's just a check mark. But it was really hard when it was on that specific day. It was a hard thing to check off. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's so yeah. important. And I love that you talked about journaling and keeping track of it. And yeah. Navad Nation, that's going to be a perfect segue to the episode that's coming, that's just before this one, where 
I share my journey. So my podcast has been quite helpful. And I'm sorry, no nation, if I'm using you for that, for me to remember the journey I'm going through, because journaling was not powerful enough for me. And what I did recently, and I had goosebumps, was to listen to my previous episodes where I shared my journey, my struggles, and my goals. And then I had to listen to them. And I was like, oh my God, what has happened in one year? It felt, wow. it felt like 10 years. And that was so helpful to just hear myself tell, talk, tell it out loud what was my goal and then see where I am today. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that, that idea, <laughs> Melissa. So, Nomadation, if you are dealing with these same issues, think about how you can also celebrate your wins and keep a track of it. Keep, keep a visual or or audit or audio track of it, whatever works for you best so that you can remember and really celebrate intentionally. Because for me, it was not enough to just, you know, pop a bottle or, or, you know, I remember taking my husband out because that was the deal. If I reach my goal, I take you out to a really nice restaurant. We did it, but it did not feel exciting. We did the whole thing, but it did not feel exciting. And funny enough, once I listened to my previous episode about my goals, then I was like, oh my God, that's what happened. And that's when you really connected with yourself in that past, right? Exactly. So um, yeah, thanks for allowing me to share that personal story so that we can have an example of that, what means, yeah. you know, to take that moment to be intentional and celebrate. Because if we don't, then imposter syndrome is always going to be there to tell you how Absolutely. not good enough you are. Absolutely. And I mean, our brains are wired to look for the negative stuff. So mm-hmm. if we don't intentionally like bring in that positivity, yeah, imposter syndrome is going to have a lot of stuff to work with. Definitely. So we, we talked about what's the imposter syndrome, making sure to acknowledge it, and then finding different strategies that we talked about to deal with it. Uh, but I guess, like you said, it starts by acknowledging it and knowing that you can't get rid of it. You can simply just work with it. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk now about the importance of actually realizing that imposter syndrome is a real thing because everybody suffers from it, but we tend, it, it kind of become, I don't know if you agree with me, but it became a little bit of a fashion or a trend to talk about it, but not really take it seriously. <laughs> yes. Like it's like a nice hashtag or something. Exactly. And I want to talk about the consequences of the imposter mm. syndrome if we don't take it seriously. So what do you yeah. see from working with your clients as the yeah. negative consequences of not dealing with the imposter syndrome? Yeah. So um, I worked for many years um, more as a, in a therapist role. And so in that case, um, it was coming up a lot, you know, as, as mental health diagnoses, right? I, anxiety, depression, um, some, for some people eating disorders. Now I work as a coach. So I'm not working with people in that same capacity. It's, it's people who are more high functioning, what we call it in, mm-hmm. in kind of mental health terms. But a lot of business centers, a lot of people who have more of a balanced life, I would say, but still have these internal struggles because we're all human and because you know life is really hard and it gets harder when we push ourselves out of our comfort zones. Um, so now the way when I see it, it coming up, it's in things like procrastination. It's in, um, yeah, kind of just like um, having a lot of really inner, um, harsh inner critic, like that can definitely come up as well. Um, and in terms of more like related to having a, for people who are business owners, it can come up and, you know, 
not going to a networking event or um, not pitching yourself when you meet somebody in like kind of a, a confident way. Um, it can also come up in ways like not setting prices that match, you know, the service that you're providing mm. or not raising your prices when it's time to do so. Um, exactly. Yeah. So These all of are those such good of examples. Yeah. yeah. Like not taking the actions you need to grow your business. Yes. And and I want to take one step further about that. I do think that imposter syndrome is dangerous because it can actually lead you to failure instead of protecting mm. you. Yes. Because if you don't deal with it, you might likely end up giving up for, with your business yeah. and not reaching your goals and end up in a situation where you have to just stop. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't want to scare anybody, but you might wind up developing something like uh, an anxiety disorder or depression, right? Because you are not addressing those hard feelings and thoughts that are coming on. I mean, that's what that's what um, imposter syndrome is. It's a really hard thought that comes with a lot of hard feelings. And when we avoid things, um, what we resist persists. Like, yeah. I love that quote. I don't want to overshadow what you just said about depression because it's a real thing. And I do Absolutely. know some people who get real anxiety mm-hmm. once they start their business. And mm-hmm. I want I want you to, to address a little bit that so that we can yeah. help those who might be in this situation because I, I really think it's a serious thing. It's, it's not yeah. just a hashtag, like you said. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the sooner you can acknowledge it and say, hey, this is really hard for me, um, the sooner, you know, kind of the better off you will probably be. And I would definitely encourage people to reach out for help. I think the hard thing about imposter syndrome is that it's kind of telling you like, you're a fraud and you might be found out. And so it's really counterintuitive to ask for help in that moment, because mm-hmm. you don't want other people to know that you're struggling. Yeah, such a good point. Reach out for help if you're reaching to that point where it's becoming even a source of stress and anxiety. That's so important. I just don't want your nomination to, you know, oversee this because this is a big deal. Mm. This is really important. It's not about like trying to scare anybody, but for me, what I'm trying to do here is really to make those of you who might struggle with imposter syndrome to question how serious, how of a serious impact it has on your business. Yes, I think that's an important question to ask. Yeah, and I know that as we're talking about it, I, I like sound upbeat, and <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there might be might even be throwing in a couple of jokes, but but it is serious. And when you're in the midst of feeling imposter syndrome, it's really heavy. It's really hard. It can be disorienting. Um, and I would definitely encourage people to reach out for help. Um, reach out to a coach. Reach out to a therapist. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I've done both of those things. Um, I'm working with a therapist right now to kind of manage some of my stress with repatriation. So yeah. um, we need to like like stop the stigma about this kind of stuff because yeah. I, what I say to my clients is like being human is hard. <laughs> That's such a hard job to be human. <laughs> it is. It is. No so one gives us an instruction book. And I think. I what I realize is that by being, uh, I don't know if the if it's the global lifestyle or something about our societies that it's evolving, but I do find like we having a more and more pressure to be mindful. Also, mm. I yeah. mean, the, you talk a lot about mindfulness, Melissa yourself, and teach mindfulness, and I do find like it's becoming so much present that it's even a source of pressure itself that, oh my God, I need to be mindful. <laughs> so I don't know if you have anything to share about that. Yeah. I, well, I think, yeah, just self-care in general, we feel now it's like, okay, like I have to do my self-care. I have to check it off the list. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we don't want to do that. I mean, I think 
something I work a lot on with my clients is trying to help them shift their inner critic. So imposter syndrome included, um, to a more of like an inner coach or an inner friend, um, an inner mentor is another term I've heard, you know? So how can we encourage ourselves to do something again, connecting it to like our why or like personal or professional why. Um, so we're doing it from a place of like, I'm taking care of myself right now. Like this is really helpful for me. Not like I have to do this or I should do this because yeah, people on LinkedIn say it works. Yeah. So, so good. I love that you brought that up. So just to lighten a little bit the topic, although it's still light and good, but (laughs) I want to talk about something that's actually pretty the opposite. I want to bring the devil here. Um, (laughs) Living in a city like New York City, where so many people come here to succeed in their careers, I see the opposite of imposter syndrome, which I think is actually imposter syndrome duplicated or tripled is people who actually fake their confidence. Yes. Okay. Like (laughs) fake it till you make it like into the extreme. Those who Mm -hmm. will over show their like confidence and it might actually hide even more imposter syndrome, but beating, Ah. beating it by overcoming it, but over, over, showing an overconfidence in a way. Is, is yeah. that something, is it just my feeling or is it something that you experience? Um, yeah, as a I think, I think that definitely exists for sure. I think it's, it's like a way to protect yourself, right? You're like, so that's why it's so important to acknowledge like this is imposter syndrome. Cause if you just keep pushing imposter syndrome away, it's almost like you're, I don't know, like Brene Brown. I love her. She talks yeah. about like putting on an art, like a coat of armor. And it's almost like, okay, I'm going to put on my coat of armor to protect me from imposter syndrome. But then when imposter syndrome actually has something important to say, you know, like maybe underneath like the mean layers that it's saying, it might be saying like, Hey, like, you know, maybe you could improve your skills in this way, or maybe, you know, you could uh, join a mastermind, like where you would um, learn some new things and grow. Well, we're not going to hear that. Right. And so we're actually not even going to have an accurate reflection of how we're doing in our professions or, or our personal life. Yeah. So it is also, it can be our friend, I think. And yeah, I think we can make it our friend. Yeah. It's, it can be our friend. So how, how can we, how could we balance that? How do we know Mm -hmm. what's fake, what's true in our thoughts? uh, If, if we're in that situation. Yeah. Well, I think, I'm going to bring up mindfulness. (laughs) Mindfulness, I find to be so helpful because of the fact that mindfulness asks us to tune in to what's going on inside of us. Instead of running away and like pushing everything down or to the side, it allows us a way to like notice our thoughts without getting wrapped up in them. And when we can do that and we can just observe our thoughts, usually we can pay attention to which ones are are valuable too. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, the, um, I teach this course called mindful self-compassion. And so it has not only mindfulness, but also self-compassion and self-compassion. Often people are like, that's a, that's a very weak or soft thing to talk about, but actually it's a really strong thing to do to tune into how am I feeling? And when I'm hurting, how can I take care of myself in that moment? And so self-compassion is all about, um, you know, not, not, so when we fail, we don't have to beat ourselves up for the fact that we failed. We can just say, okay, that happened and it's okay. And it doesn't mean anything about my self-worth or who I am as a person. Mm, this is so good. Yeah. Sometimes we avoid putting ourselves out there because we're so afraid of not actually even what someone else on the outside is going to say, but what we're going to say to ourselves. Yeah. 
Thank you for reminding us that. That's so important. I mean, the self-compassion is another thing that we hear a lot that I think is losing its power by just hearing it too much without really filling it with meaning. And it's a great reminder here that you bring us up that it's important to acknowledge failure, learn from it, but it does Mm -hmm. not mean that it's affecting or changing our self-worth. It's one thing to fail at a task, fail at a mission, fail at a goal, but it doesn't make us less of a human being or a nice person or a, or a good professional. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to define us. Exactly. So I think embracing the fact that failure does not define us is a great step also to deal with imposter syndrome. That's absolutely. Yes. Yes. That like our performance doesn't have to define who we are as people. Definitely. And what I would add to that is also, for me, I've learned much more from my failures than from my successes. And embracing failure and saying, okay, I'm, it's going to be okay if I mess it up. I'm just going to test it. And if it doesn't work, I'll just learn from it. Yeah. I, so I consider myself a recovering perfectionist because it's a long journey, I think, maybe a lifelong journey. Um, and so it's a struggle for me to, to take on that mindset of experiment, just try it out, let yourself fail. Um, but I know like what you just said, it's so important and I learned so much from doing it. Um, and I see my, the same thing with my clients too. So I just keep encouraging myself and trying to do it with a self-compassionate voice too. Like you can do it. I believe in you. Maybe the thing is like, if anyone is listening who has children, you know, how would you encourage your kids and do that to yourself? Amazing. These are such great insights, Melissa. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I want to know a little bit if you have like one thing you think we did not touch upon that you'd like to share in this conversation before we end this episode. Yeah. So um, one thing that I didn't mention, um, but I think is important is, you know, another way that we can combat um, imposter syndrome is trying to find, you know, somebody who's just a little bit less far along in their journey um, that, you know, you can serve as a mentor to them. I find that teaching something or, you know, guiding somebody along the way can be also be such a good reminder of how far along you've come and how much you've learned. Mm. It's so it's so funny that you say that because I'm I'm running now the business idea accelerator program, yeah. and one we were just discussing that how everybody is an expert at something. There will always be someone in the room that knows less than you do. Yes, it's such a good way to look at it, right? I look at it in that that um, from that mindset. Yeah, so acknowledging that and using that to help others is such a good idea, Melissa. So like mentoring or helping someone who knows less than you do in order to see how good you actually are at what you do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can also remind you of some of the stuff we're talking about, about like the importance of like letting yourself fail and experimenting and, and the fact that, you know, this is a journey and that, you know, we can cultivate a growth mindset about this, about, you know, we're constantly, this is a lifelong kind of thing. Um, learning to, you know, navigating our ways, making mistakes and, and slowly, getting better at some things and not everything. Yeah. This is such a fascinating topic. I would love to continue for hours to talk about this, but I think you've shared so much great insights here and we will add in the show notes of this episode, some of the resources we mentioned here. So Nomad Nation, go to tandemnomads.com slash 144 and we will link all the references we mentioned in this episode. Before we say goodbye, Melissa, I'd love to know more about, you know, your services and how do you work with your clients? 
Yeah. So I, my, my website is intentional expat, but um, I'm moving away a bit from that expat term because it's too narrow for my clients. My clients are multicultural, globally minded, um, but that's, those are the clients I tend to work with. Um, and many of my clients are entrepreneurs, um, not all of them. I support people to really help them to get over their internal blocks um, that are holding them back from thriving in their personal and professional lives wherever in the world they call home, whether that's abroad or that's moving back home from living abroad. Um, and you can visit my website for more details about um, how the different packages that I offer. Fabulous. And what's the website? Could you say it once more? Yeah, www.intentionalexpat.com. Fabulous. So Nomad Nation, um, make sure to visit Melissa's website and I will put all the information about Melissa on the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 144. Melissa, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure to talk to you about this, such an important topic. Yeah, thanks so much, Amel, for letting me to, um, come here and talk about it because I, I think it's an important conversation for us to keep having and let it be more than just a hashtag. Exactly. Thanks for that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Nomad Nation, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.